Wednesday Yisrael, Shir 126, we are discussing who should govern Klal Yisrael. We explained that self-government was one of the things that we lost because we didn't utilize it properly. And we would venture to say that a Talmud Chacham is not suited to govern a nation. We would, we would, more, uh, we would seem that it's more fitting to have a Askin, a statesman, to be a leader of Klal Yisrael. So he explains that Amiratzis doesn't make a person to be a statesman. Meishe Rabbeinu was the first Melech, Shmuel Anavi, David, Shleimai, they were all Tamidich Chamin, and they were very successful leaders. We always had great Chachamim who had the highest capabilities of leadership. Why? Because since Klal Yisrael is a Am Kaddish, like we have in this week's parasha, Goy Kaddish, it's impossible for one who is not deeply learned in Torah to be a successful leader. The happiest era for Klal Yisrael during the second base of Mikdash were the nine years when the Chachamim ruled Klal Yisrael under Shleimis Alexandria, the sister of Shimon Shatach. Klal Yisrael was at peace, the economy flourished, the nations were afraid of Klal Yisrael, they sent hostages to assure the goodwill of Klal Yisrael. And this stopped immediately when the Chachamim were put aside, when the Queen's son and his quote-unquote statesmen gained power. So the Chachamim were the greatest leaders in Klal Yisrael. <coughs> and basically self-government was taken away from Klal Yisrael because it was misused. The Beis Hamikdash was taken away from Klal Yisrael because it was misused. And how is it misused in the case of the Kayanim Gedalim buying the office from the Romans? And the government could have been used as corruption to corrupt the situation. Now, even though Klaiso was far more superior than any Gaiisha nation, but as a Jewish government, they were lacking, and therefore they had to be limited. In Eretz Yisrael, the Nasi of Klal Yisrael was the leader. In Bavol, the Reish Galusa had great power. But after a long period, the time came when even these powers were too great. And the Rebbe Shalom discontinued them. And now, Klal Yisrael lived as private communities scattered in lands where they were a minority amongst the Gayim. And these communities were separated by the languages. The ability to have great power over the majority of Klal Yisrael was no longer available. It used to be that the Nasi ruled over most of Klal Yisrael. No such thing. <clears throat> when the Yidden in Spain began to use that wealthy land to mingle with the Arabs, the Rebbein Islam caused them to be expelled to lands like Turkey and Poland, which were less cultural. And Kalal Yisrael wouldn't have any incentive to assimilate. A very interesting reason. And amongst these nations, they lived in relative peace for centuries because there was no danger they would imitate the ways of the backward population. <clears throat> but the people that lived amongst the Germans 
or the French or the English, had a much higher standard of living. And there, it was much more of a sakana. You see how Klai Yisrael adopted the German language, right? Yiddish is from German. They didn't adapt, adopt the Polish or the Turkish language. Why? <clears throat> because there was no, there was no, uh, there was no, uh, there was no lore. There was nothing pulling them to the German, to the Polish people. They were low, low lives. How do you cure Claudia from being uh, grabbed and infatuated by these people? Was the persecution? You can't admire a civilized nation when they're always murdering Claudia so in cases where there was a danger of assimilation, the Rabbi Shalom sent expulsion, like England and France. There was expulsion from England and France. I didn't know that, but he said there was. Yisrael put the majority of Yisrael, put the majority of Yisrael in Russia, whose material standards were so low that Yisrael had no desire to imitate the people in the land. Only minor persecutions were needed to remind them that the guy was not a desirable friend for them. It's a fascinating thing. If you follow through history, so you see this concept that the upscale places were more dangerous for Klaiso. On the lower level were less. And what about there were pogroms in Jewish communities in 5408 even though spiritual, the spiritual status was very high, and these were Russian and Polish communities, so how do you explain that? About these... Tachvatat. That's Chemelitsky, And his Chevro. That's Tachvatat. So how do you understand that? So he says, the reason is because being in a peaceful existence in Gullus is never healthy for Klaiso. They forget that the world is only temporary and they're in Gullahs for their Averis. And therefore, after hundreds of years of prosperity, we have to break it down. So you see an interesting concept, he says. To be too comfortable in a land is not healthy for Kalei You can never make yourself too comfortable. If it gets too comfortable, the Rabbi Shalom has to show you that you don't belong there. In the colleges, etc., to show you don't belong, they don't get too comfortable. Now, even though the Shach, who lived at that time, was such a great generation, like we explained previously, they were only great compared to us, but compared to the Rishainim, they were missing. Now, how does a person ever consider a tzaddik? If that's true, how is a person ever considered a tzaddik? If you're always compared to the previous generation, he's lacking. The answer is it depends on the opportunities according to what they knew about the era that came before them, and according to their capabilities, they were expected to produce more, even the generation of the Shach. And that's why they were attacked. So basically, a per- when the... In this expression, when the terror was given, Klal Yisrael were afraid. It was a huge responsibility. They were afraid to take it. But... They accepted Mamlachas Kayanim. He says an interesting thing. He says, a, a king wears a heavy crown. Today they don't. But they used to. Why don't they wear it today? Because it's not Kishmak. They don't want responsibility for like five minutes. 
I, don't th- I, I doubt he walks around with his crown. Why? He says the heavy crown represents a heavy responsibility. That's Kalal Yisrael wears a heavy crown and they're, really, they're willing to risk their lives for their crown. That's the way Yid has to feel about being Mamlachas Kayanim. Two crowns, two Ksarim. Kalal Yisrael got. It's a responsibility. So even though it seems to be very challenging and we have to live up to the job that we're supposed to have, but that's like a king. It's an interesting analogy, uh, kings with his heavy crown. I never thought of it like that. I mean, Chazal say about David HaMelech, he had such a heavy crown that had to be held up by, a, uh, by some sort of magnet or something. It was very heavy. Crowns were heavy, they were made out of metal. So why does a king wear a crown? Tefillin. Tefillin is a crown. You know, we try to take it off the first second we could, but it's a nabuch, it's a crown. It's tefillin supposed to be. Pear, pear. Oite Yisrael b'sefaira. We don't like it, but that's the Matthias. Crown is a responsibility. So Mela Yisrael accepted the crown of responsibility of Tyre. And therefore, even though it's challenging, like he explained, <coughs> but that's part of it. The schos that we have to serve HaKadosh Baruch even though it's difficult, but we view it as a crown. <laughs>